Welcome, food eaters. This is Mel Weinstein, host of the Food Labels Revealed podcast and the self-professed prophet of processed foods. A new show is released at the end of every month. This is episode number 45. Today, I return to investigating a fast food restaurant. The target is Subway long heralded as a healthy choice for those consumers seeking convenience food that's a cut above the rest. But here's the question. Does Subway live up to its self-promoted reputation? Is its menu really good for you, or is it just another well-disguised example of ultra-processed food? Join me for a deep dive into a Subway meal to answer that question. Along the way, I'll look at Subway's history and talk about some new food ingredients. For newcomers to the podcast, here's the skinny on me. I have a 30-plus year background in chemistry education, food testing, and food chemical research. And during that time, I've had a fascination, some may call it an obsession, with the topic of processed foods, what's in those foods, and their impact on our health. I try to look behind the commercial food curtain at all of those strange, hard to pronounce, and sometimes hazardous ingredients and products sold in our groceries, convenience stores, and restaurants. This is a 100% free on-demand radio show. Yes, I said free. I don't want your money. How often do you hear that said? This podcast has no sponsors, financial supporters, venture capitalists, or Patreon websites. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are mine, and it's going to stay that way. All I ask of you is to listen. And if you're informed, educated, or entertained by the content, please let others know through social media or the old-fashioned way, word of mouth. I'll provide website and contact information at the end of the show. On to the investigation. For those of you who follow my podcast, you know that a few years ago, I got interested in investigating the foods served in fast food restaurants. The key question that I raised was whether fast foods were just as processed as many of the packaged foods found in grocery stores and other places. That question was not as easy to answer as figuring out the ingredients in packaged foods. After all, Packaged foods are required to list ingredients, so all anyone has to do is read the back of the package or the side of the package to find out, for the most part, what's in it. For restaurant food, that's a whole other story. There are some restaurants, albeit a minority, that post ingredients online. However, most national chain restaurants report only nutritional facts information, things like carbs, fat, protein, etc., Now, there are a few consumer websites that post ingredient information. Two examples are fastfoodingredients.com and fastfoodnutrition.org. I prefer not to use such sites because it's not clear where they get their information and how current it is. I guess in a pinch, those sources would be okay. But for my investigations, I choose to use a primary resource like the company website. Now, where does our government stand on this issue of revealing information about restaurant food? Although some cities and states are moving more quickly in that direction, the federal government is only taking baby steps. The FDA issued a menu labeling rule a few years ago, which goes into effect on January 1st, 2020, 
Ford Directive issued in 2017 and 2018. This rule only applies to certain chain restaurants with 20 or more locations operating under the same name and that offer the same menu. Consumers will have access to calorie and nutrition information only. Covered restaurants must disclose the number of calories contained in standard items on their menus. That information also must be visual. Apart from calorie content, the restaurants do not have to post anything else. However, when asked by consumers, the businesses must provide nutrition information such as total fat, saturated fat, trans fat, cholesterol, sodium, carbs, sugars, fiber, and protein. So, will the FDA help us to find out what ingredients are in the food? Nada. There are no requirements for informing consumers about ingredients. That's where I come in, which should keep me busy for a few years until the government catches up. In previous podcast episodes, I've revealed fast food menu ingredients in various restaurants, usually pitting rivals against one another. For example, McDonald's versus Burger King in the burger industry. However, that doesn't work for all types of fast food. For example, it's virtually impossible to find out ingredient information about the food served in national Chinese or steakhouse restaurant chains since their websites, if they post anything, only include a bare-bones description of what's in a dish and they might provide nutritional facts. The latter is useful from a health perspective, but it doesn't tell you what you're eating. In today's episode, I'm changing my approach a little and only looking at a single fast food restaurant, Subway. I'll examine a typical meal and fully dissect it for its ingredients. Unlike the past, I'll be ignoring the nutritional facts since that would require the handling and reporting of way too much data. But first, let's listen to an old commercial and then look at the history of Subway. Here is Jared Fogle. You may have seen him on the news or a talk show. He was inspired by Subway's great tasting sandwiches. Jared believes in an active lifestyle, including lots of walking. At the heart of Jared's routine are Subway sandwiches. Hey, Jared. Hey, guys. At Subway, you can choose from seven sandwiches with six grams of fat or less, and they all taste great. Food for thought. In 1965, Fred DeLuca, a 17-year-old high school graduate, was loaned $1,000 by a friend, Peter Buck, to open a restaurant in Bridgeport, Connecticut. It was called Pete's Super Submarines. He sold 312 sandwiches on opening day. Back then, the average cost of a sub sandwich was between 49 and 69 cents. Just three years later, in 1968, the name of the restaurant was changed to Subway. In 1974, DeLuca and Buck began to franchise the Subway store. In 1975, the first store to locate outside Connecticut was opened in Massachusetts. In the following 12 years, the subway chain expanded rapidly. By 1987, there were 1,000 restaurants. In the next year, Subway grew phenomenally, reaching 2,000 locations. The year 1997 was a pivotal year for Subway because that's when it introduced the 7 under 6 menu. 7 sandwiches 
with 6 grams of fat or less. At that point, Subway was on its way to distinguish itself as a healthy place to eat as it took advantage of the government's anti-fat campaign. They then hired Jared Fogle as a weight loss cheerleader in the year 2000. More about that story later. By 2008, Subway expanded to 30,000 restaurants. In 2012, Subway claimed to be in 100 countries. Amazingly, Subway is still a privately held company and one of the fastest growing in the world. In 2019, there were over 41,000 locations. In 2015, the company's first CEO and founder, Fred DeLuca, died of leukemia at the age of 67. In the face of fierce competition from such restaurants as Panera Bread, Subway took a nosedive in 2016 and 2017 with the closing of about 800 stores. Back to the Jared Fogle story. Most listeners are probably old enough to remember Jared. He was a morbidly obese young adult living in Indiana. After graduating from college, he started a program that involved eating low-fat meals at Subway restaurants, coupled with plenty of walking. Following this lifestyle, he lost 200 pounds in a relatively short time. A friend of his wrote an article about his experience in the newspaper Indiana Daily Student, which caught the attention of Subway executives. They hired him as their spokesperson, and Jared worked for them from the year 2000 to 2015. He became the face of Subway, appearing in numerous ads and making public appearances. Jared was like the Subway mascot. The commercial I played earlier featured Jared picking up a Subway lunch. So Jared became pretty famous and wealthy with that gig. However, the whole success story backfired for both Jared and Subway when he was arrested by the FBI in 2015 for possessing child pornography and paying minors for sex. He wound up getting a sentence of 15 years and is presently serving time in a federal prison. Now, Subway receives some kudos for boldly supporting sustainability, environmentalism, animal welfare, and other socially responsible causes. I don't know how much of their support is lip service and how much is real. But on their website, they do claim to encourage sustainable agriculture, sustainable packaging through the use of recycled materials, maintaining facility operations using energy-efficient practices, water conservation devices, and waste reduction. There are even a few subways that are built as eco-friendly. As regards health and nutrition, Subway claims to follow tight food safety policies, uh, eliminating the use of trans fat in their products, offering low-calorie meals, and listing both ingredient and nutritional data at their website. One of their trademark claims is the offering of fresh baked bread. And the smell of the baking bread is certainly one of the first things I notice when I walk into a Subway. However, the bread dough, key part, is not made on site, but is prepared at large manufacturing facilities and then shipped frozen to the restaurants. Part of Subway's reputation over the years was their inexpensive meals. For a while, on certain days, you could purchase 12-inch subs for $5. 
only $5. A while back, I took my two grandboys to a local subway shop so they could pick up some supper to take home. One kid ordered a 12-inch turkey sub with bacon plus a 20-ounce fountain drink, and that was the smallest option. The other kid ordered a steak and cheese sub with added bacon plus a 20-ounce fountain drink. Neither one ordered chips or a cookie. I didn't buy anything for myself. The total came to $26, including tax. To my dismay, I discovered there's a surcharge for the bacon and the steak. So much for Subway's cheap reputation. Let's take a look at a typical Subway meal in terms of its ingredients. A popular sub is the ultimate spicy Italian sandwich, composed of pepperoni, salami, Italian bread, garlic herb butter, parmesan, and mozzarella cheeses. To customize the sandwich, I will add the following vegetable toppings, olives, banana peppers, and pickles. And lastly, I'll include a chipotle southwest sauce. To round out the meal, I will add a bowl of broccoli and cheddar soup, a chocolate chip cookie with M&Ms, and for a beverage, I'll select Hubert's Original Lemonade. I prepared an Excel spreadsheet to keep track of all the ingredients in this meal. All the data was obtained from the Subway website, with the exception of the Hubert's Lemonade. The ingredients for the lemonade I found on Amazon. As mentioned earlier, I ignored nutritional data and just simply focused on the ingredients. Here are the results for the Subway sandwich, not including water as an ingredient or any added vitamins and minerals. The ingredient counts for each part of the sandwich are the Italian bread has 11, the garlic butter spread has 9, the pepperoni has 11, the Genoa salami has 14, the Parmesan cheese has 5, and note that the ingredients for the mozzarella cheese for some reason were not posted at the Subway website, so I substituted cheddar cheese, which has 4 ingredients. The olives have 2, the banana peppers have 9, the pickles have 9, and the chipotle southwest sauce has 19. So the subtotal for the ingredients in the sandwich is 93. The number of ingredients in the broccoli and cheddar soup is 46. The number of ingredients in the chocolate chip cookies with the M&Ms is 35. And the number of ingredients in the Hubert's Original Lemonade is 5. So when you add up all those numbers, the grand total of ingredients in this Subway meal is 179. I'll repeat that. The, the grand total of ingredients in the Subway meal is 179. Just imagine that number for a second. If you had everything you needed in your kitchen, you would have to combine 179 food items and additives to recreate this Subway meal. A near impossible task or if you could do it, you would need to be in the kitchen for a very long time. Now, I'm not saying here that this meal has 179 individual ingredients. There are duplicates, triplicates, etc. So, if I remove the replicates, how many unique ingredients would I be left with? 
The answer is 100. That's a nice round number. Back to the kitchen. To prepare this meal, you would need to gather up 100 ingredients and additives. That number alone shows you the magic of industrial food. The fact that it takes 100 ingredients to make the Subway meal means that there are all kinds of ingredients that you would not normally keep in your kitchen. You wouldn't need them if you were to make a fresh meal. There are many ingredients in this dinner that are only required for industrial purposes, as we shall see. Of the 100 unique ingredients, how many are classified as very processed or ultra-processed? Remember that the more processed a food is, the further from natural it becomes. As I've discussed in previous episodes, more and more research studies are showing that diets high in very processed foods are associated with numerous lifestyle diseases. Looking again at the 100 unique ingredients, 46 of them fall in the ultra-processed category. That's 46% or nearly half. Another subject that I've talked about in this podcast is the idea that fast food is characterized by a high sugar, salt, and fat content. That mixture is really a trademark for fast food. Food scientists have discovered that just the right ratio of sugar, salt, and fat can lead to addictive food consumption in combination with hard-to-resist flavors. In the Subway meal, there are 14 uses of sweeteners, 21 appearances of salt, and 7 uses of fats or oils. In combination, 28% of the 179 ingredients fall in those three categories. Now, Let's take a look at individual ingredients. That will help us determine how healthy this Subway meal actually is. I've mentioned this before. Once you start paying attention to ingredients in packaged and fast food, you'll notice that the majority of ingredients tend to appear over and over and over again in many different products. That's not a coincidence. Food scientists over many decades have formulated just the right combinations of ingredients to satisfy particular properties, whether that's for flavor, shelf life, appearance, consistency, or other properties. That's why, over time, it gets harder and harder for me to find first-time ingredients. I've been doing this podcast for four years, and it's rare that I find a food ingredient that I haven't mentioned in the past. Let's look at the bread. There's no healthy bread selection at Subway restaurants. A healthy bread would be exclusively made from whole grains. All the breads at Subway have enriched wheat flour, which implies that a highly processed flour was used. Two of the ingredients in the bread, enzymes and ascorbic acid, better known as vitamin C, are present as dough conditioners. Items you're not likely to be using in your kitchen. Dough conditioners help bread to rise and to create uniform and consistent breads during the manufacturing process. One of the bread ingredients is cultured wheat flour. Yes, we have a heretofore never discussed ingredient. Cultured wheat flour is a natural preservative made from the controlled fermentation of wheat flour using the same bacterium that Swiss cheese manufacturers use. 
This ingredient helps to extend the shelf life of baked goods and other foods by fending off molds and bacteria. It can help to replace synthetic preservatives like sorbates and benzoates to make cleaner label products. Moving on to the garlic butter spread, there are no unusual ingredients in that product. Just note that generic names like spices and natural flavor don't tell you anything about the actual ingredients used. Food manufacturers are not required to reveal this information. Also, those generic terms hide the actual number of ingredients. When I observe the term spices in a food product, I count that as just one ingredient, but there could be many. Next up for the sub sandwich are the meats, pepperoni and salami. It's interesting to note the presence of sweeteners in the meats. Each one has dextrose or corn sugar and corn syrup. Each has a lactic acid starter culture which doesn't give you much information other than some bacterium or a combination of bacteria are used to cure the meats. The one ingredient in each meat that deserves attention is sodium nitrite. I've talked about this ingredient quite a few times in the past. It's an FDA-approved preservative to help maintain the color of the meat and to preserve it. But for many years, sodium nitrite consumption has been linked to cancer, particularly brain, stomach, and thyroid cancers. Looking at the cheeses, Parmesan and cheddar, nothing surprising there, although the Parmesan has powdered cellulose in it. That's to keep it from clumping together. Cellulose is just a chemical name for wood fiber. Next up are the vegetables on the sandwich. You wouldn't think olives would be interesting, but they have ferrous glutinate in them. Wow, it's very unusual to have a second ingredient of the day. The Consumer's Dictionary of Food Additives mentions that ferrous gluconate is used as a food coloring for ripe olives. It may cause intestinal disturbances. The banana peppers are surprisingly complex with nine ingredients. Two of them are synthetic preservatives, sodium benzoate and sodium metabisulfite. There is also a synthetic emulsifier called polysorbate 80. Similarly, the pickles have sodium benzoate and polysorbate 80. They also have alum. This has got to be a record. Who would have thunk that a Subway meal would give me three new ingredients? Alum is composed of potassium aluminum sulfate, which is a common pickling agent. The chemical is hazardous, but only in very concentrated solutions. Then we have the Chipotle Southwest sauce. It has an amazing 19 ingredients, but there is nothing surprising in it as far as a processed food is concerned. It has three synthetic preservatives, sodium benzoate, potassium benzoate, and calcium disodium EDTA. The acronym EDTA stands for ethylene diamine tetraacetic acid. Xanthan gum is in the, in the product as a thickening agent, but as expected, uh, the main part of the sauce is oil, vinegar, buttermilk, potley pepper, eggs, and sugar. The broccoli and cheddar soup, the broccoli and cheddar soup has 46 ingredients. That's a bunch. 
There are lots of synthetic chemicals in the soup, including sodium phosphate, lactic acid, sodium tripolyphosphate, maltodextrin, and calcium silicate. It sounds like a chemistry set. The sodium tripolyphosphate is another preservative to help maintain flavor. Lastly, there's calcium silicate. A fourth ingredient of the day. This is fantastic. Uh, it doesn't take too much to get me excited. Calcium silicate is used as an anti-caking agent, probably to keep the cheese ingredients from clumping together. And now for dessert. Uh, we have the chocolate chip cookie with M&Ms, consisting of 35 ingredients. The usual suspects found in many industrial cookies are also found in the Subway product. I imagine that some national cookie company probably makes these cookies for Subway. The synthetic ingredients are soy lecithin, artificial flavors, corn syrup, and many colors. Blue number one, blue number two, yellow number five, yellow number six, and red number 40. Most of these are for the M&M shells. Those artificial colors are notoriously unhealthy, particularly for children. Now, it still blows my mind that when my grandboys are eating these cookies, they are taking in 35 ingredients. Lastly, there is the beverage, Hubert's Original Lemonade, which is probably the healthiest part of the Subway meal. It has five ingredients, all of which have some natural connection. In addition to using cane sugar as a sweetener, the product also has stevia leaf extract. Stevia, a natural sweetener, from South America is 300 times sweeter than cane sugar, so less of the cane sugar needs to be used in the beverage. Stevia will not rot your teeth like cane sugar. However, the stevia in this drink is an extract, which means the stevia plant has been significantly processed to isolate the sweetening agent, so I would not call it a 100% natural ingredient. Let's summarize the key facts of this episode. Subway restaurants have been around for a long time, and in terms of locations, they are the number one restaurant chain in the world. Whether they are a self-contained establishment, adjoined to a convenience store, or ensconced in a hospital or school, you can find them everywhere. The Subway management has cleverly established their food as a cut above other fast food chains by 1. touting low-calorie meals and emphasizing weight loss, 2. emphasizing the freshness of the food, and 3. advocating for significant social causes like reduced energy usage, climate change, and food safety. Those are all positive messages, but is Subway food really healthy? Isn't that the most important part of their messaging? Without any consideration of the nutrition facts, I just looked at the number and quality of ingredients in a popular Subway meal that included the ultimate spicy Italian sandwich, broccoli and cheddar soup, a chocolate chip cookie, and lemonade. What I found was nothing less than astounding. There were 179 ingredients in this simple meal, with 156% of them unique. Of the unique ingredients, 46% of them could be described as very processed or ultra-processed. 
The higher the percentage of processed ingredients in a meal, the more industrialized it is and the unhealthier it is. With almost 50% of the Subway ingredients falling in the highly processed category, it would be a stretch to claim that the Subway meal that I examined was actually good for you. In examining the 100 unique ingredients, there were many examples of synthetic chemicals. Lastly, unhealthy convenience foods are characterized by their high percentages of sugar, salt, and fat, which tend to hook people into bad eating habits. The Subway meal was no exception. 28% of the 179 ingredients were from sugar, salt, and fat sources. When we don't look underneath the surface, it's very easy to be taken in by marketing hype and appearances. We need to be cautious about what we are eating and take the time to ask pointed questions regarding the quality of the food we consume. One would hope that hospitals and schools would take this approach when inviting fast food restaurants like Subway onto their premises. Yes, they surely score some good money from those businesses, but shouldn't the health of their clients or students come first? Well, it's time to end the show. To all you food eaters out there in podcast land, I appreciate you taking the time to tune in. If you have a little more time, I'd greatly appreciate a review, good, bad, or indifferent, at the iTunes store. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed and their show notes at the hosting website called Podbean at www.podbean.com or just by googling Food Labels Revealed. And, of course, you can always listen to the podcast on your smartphone or tablet by downloading a podcast app like Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher or a host of others too numerous to mention. Here's something new. I've started to upload the audio tracks of the episodes to YouTube, so there's another outlet for you. You can sit on the living room couch eating popcorn and watch the beautiful Food Labels Reveal logo on the screen while listening to an old episode. If you have a question or comment on anything about food ingredients or this podcast or just want to say hello, drop me a line at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. That's foodlabelsrevealed, all one phrase, at gmail.com. If you think your family, friends, coworkers, or acquaintances might be interested in the podcast, tweet or post a link through your social media outlets to get the word out. Don't forget that the references provided in this podcast are available in the show notes located at the Podbean hosting website. Lastly, I have a Facebook page that is an adjunct to the podcast. Several times per week, I post news items related to food ingredients, processed foods, and food trends. Just search in Facebook under Food Labels Revealed Podcast. And please give it a like when you get a chance. And feel free to comment and share. Next month, I'll return to highlight some of the recent interesting news stories related to processed foods, food trends, and food issues. Till next time, always remember this. If you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music piece is a clip from Comfortable Mystery 3 composed by Kevin McLeod.